0: Heather Kamira, but she um, came on staff officially January? May? Was it May? Okay, so she's been up here preaching since forever, so it feels like January, but okay, so May, just recently. um, Heather is just awesome. She is um, the pastor over our small group ministry, so if you have any questions about small groups or you're interested in starting a small group, she'd be the one to talk to, Um, She is a gifted speaker and teacher of the word. And um, I just have to tell you, if you haven't met Heather yet, make sure you get a chance to introduce yourself and try to get to know her because I can't tell you how much she has blessed my life just being in connection with her. She is just a gem and what she speaks, she lives it. Um, She is probably one of the most grace-filled women I know. And she takes things very seriously. When she's teaching the Word, she's not up here, just giving you a message. Um, she has to feel it. She has God has to deposit something to her for her to share. And so I'm really excited because I know God's been speaking to her this week. so if you would give her a very, very warm welcome, Heather Kamira. <clears throat>
1: Good evening. Check, check. Okay, we're good. Boy, wasn't worship just sweet? Mm, It's good to see everybody here. Man, look at you all, beautiful ladies. Hi. Okay, so... As I was in worship, the Lord um, reminded me of something. Uh, And I felt like it was... A good time. Uh, not planned, but he reminded me of something, and so we're going to have a little testimony time right now. <laughs> um, a little glory to God. What you don't know is that uh, standing right here uh, is a really momentous time moment uh, for me because uh, two years ago, I was standing right here, and it was the first time I had ever preached in front of anyone. And if you were there, <laughs> you could probably tell I was nervous. Still am, let's just be honest. <laughs> uh, you could tell I was a little nervous. But what you didn't know is that uh, that day was the first time I had ever had a panic attack that left me curled up on the floor in a fetal position, and I was not able to eat anything. My little girl came over and was like, Mama, are you okay? And Daddy's just staring at me like I don't know what to do with her. Uh, I was a wreck, and the enemy just came in full force. Uh, He did not want me to do what I did that night, which was start something. And uh, when I got prayer, I somehow made it. I think I only ate a banana the whole day. I mean, I was so nervous, and just the anxiety was thick. And I didn't tell anybody, but I just came in, and I knew the first thing I needed was prayer. So I went in the little welcome center area, and I stood there, and I think two people were praying for me. And uh, immediately, I just felt hot. I felt really, really hot. And I'm, like, starting to literally drip and sweat. And my armpits are already, you know, <laughs> greased up and ready to go. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I start feeling more hands on me. And uh, I look up, and, and I notice, like, there's probably, like, 10 women surrounding me, praying for me. And I'm just shaking my head going, God, you knew I needed this. You knew I needed this. And, uh, and I giggled at one point. I'm like, boy, it's hot in here. And, and they're like, actually, Heather, we're, we're cold. You're burning up. And the Holy Spirit was just really meeting me. And there was this one, um, one woman who prayed for me. And she's like, I know this is going to sound weird, but can I, do, can I just do something strange? I was like, girl, I am, I am open to anything at this point. Like, we're going for it. We're just going for it. I need him. I need him. Full force. Whatever you do, I'm open for it. And she literally said, in Jesus' name, I just tell fear to leave. I, again, I hadn't told anyone what I was going through. I tell fear to leave in the name of Jesus. And she swooped her hands right over my, my shoulders and it broke, I bawled. I went from a zero to a 10 and I just broke. Something inside of me just broke and I bawled and I bawled and I bawled and it was gone, it was gone. <laughs> so, <clears throat> praise Jesus, amen, amen. Praise the Lord because uh, that's just a testimony of what he does for his kids and how, man, he is so faithful, he's so good, right? So good to show up for his kids. So, Tonight, we are going to be talking, uh, finishing up our summer series, which is called Seek and Dwell. And Vicki spoke last time. She did a great job. Is anyone here? Yeah? Oh, come on. Yeah, she did an awesome job. And it, she talked about Psalm 63, and it was about seeking God. And uh, the, the passage, actually, that we got this title from is from Psalm 27, 4. And it says, one thing I ask from the Lord... This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, all the days of my life, and to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So just a really sweet title. Uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, as Vicky said, she said January. January was a, a really unsure time for my family. Uh, we didn't know where we were going to end up. Literally, where we were going to end up in that next year. And as I looked over the precipice of 2017, uh, I felt like the Lord was saying, even though you don't know what's going to happen and where you're going to end up and how it's all going to look, I want you to do something. And he was really clear with this one thing, which was to have a silent retreat by myself. And I am notoriously bad, and and maybe we could say this for us as a a gender, as women, that we're notoriously bad of taking care of ourselves, right? And there was actually three things he said, and I might as well share them. Heather, I want you to go to the doctor, which I hadn't done for three years. I want you to start your gym membership that you told your husband you were going to (laughs) do. And I want you to actually go on a silent retreat. And uh, I had to call them, and they couldn't get me in until about the end of May. And I was like, well, I don't know where I'm going to be in May, but let's go ahead and plan it. I knew I had to get it on the calendar because, boy, right? Unless it's on the calendar, it just doesn't happen, right? So I got it on the calendar, end of May. What I didn't know was that May was going to be this crazy month for my family. And that's when everything started to just shift, and everything started to happen, and things started to really change in my life. And I didn't, I didn't plan on that, but that's when it all happened. So my husband, who uh, was in school for, gosh, the last seven seven years, uh, he finally graduated, praise God. <laughs> and uh, that happened right at the end of May. Uh, but he got a job, and that was the big hinge point for us for that year, was God are you gonna give Adam a job here in Columbus, Ohio? Because his field of electrical engineering is, well, there's lots of jobs, but they're just all in Texas and California. And so there's really slim pickings here in Columbus, Ohio. They're just it. It's just hard to find uh, what he would want to do here in Columbus, Ohio. But I also knew that it was God's opportunity to actually confirm that this is where he wanted us, right? It was a chance for him to tell me for sure and certain that this is where he wanted me to be. And so uh, prayerfully, and just praise God, he did. He got Adam a job um, working here in Columbus, Ohio, and he's actually doing what he did in his PhD, which I knew, the Lord had already told me. He's like, you're going to end up doing the stuff you're doing in school, you're going to do it in your job. And he is. And it's so sweet to watch the faithfulness of the Lord over those seven years of A lot of sacrifice and a lot of lot of uh, busyness and fullness, and to watch God so faithfully just give him exactly what we had been praying for. So that happened. I ended up quitting uh, my job. Of uh, my career was gosh, 15 years of being a graphic designer, and uh, I shifted careers completely and came on staff in May. And then our nanny, who was taking care of our daughter, who uh, had watched her for probably the last two years, was pregnant and having her baby at the end of May. So we were having to shift and change our lives dramatically. And so here I am, thinking the whole entire month of May, thank God I have a silent retreat. Thank God I have a silent retreat. As though he knew, just provision from the Lord, that I was going to need it. I was going to really need it. And here I am, I'm driving on my little mini adventure just by myself three whole days, three whole nights of being with no one I know, 20 other strangers, but no one was going to get to talk to me. And my little introverted self was just so happy. I was driving down to the hills of Kentucky and just had the windows down, singing at the top of my lungs, just loving every moment of it. And when I, I got there... It was really sweet. I got to hike. I got to read for the first time in a while. I got to journal. I got to just listen to music and, and take walks with the Lord. And and it was just I started drawing again, which I haven't done for years. And just little things he knew that I needed. My soul needed recharged. I needed re-centered on the Lord. And he gave me that. But at the end of it, as it started to come to a close, I got really kind of frustrated because I didn't want it to end, right? I didn't want it to end. And I started to complain to the Lord. I said, why can't I have this back in Ohio? You know, back in Columbus, Ohio? Why can't I have this kind of peace and this kind of silence and this kind of simplicity in my life back home? And, and it was so sweet, I think probably because no one was talking to me and I was <laughs> you know, just waiting on the Lord in silence. Uh, he just said with such sweetness, he said, Oh, my little adventurer, I am always with you. I will go wherever you go, and I will be wherever you are. And it was this concept of being the dwelling place of God, that he literally was with me wherever I went, wherever I put my foot, he was gonna be there just as powerfully as he was in that little silent retreat area as he would be here in Columbus, Ohio, with life being busy and crazy. I know that that's the reality, that God is with us. We hear that a lot in church. But when I return to regularly scheduled life, right, the reality is everything is really busy. Everything is really full and loud and frantic. And it can just feel like I'm not really feeling like the dwelling place of God, if I'm honest. And and there in that silent retreat, I could feel it. I could sense it. I could sense his presence really clearly. But but my reality was returning back to life meant changing something, changing something. And many of us long, we long for that, right? We long to live in that never-ending conversational life with God, to be filled and to feel a deeper sense of God's companionship with us which can compel us to do a lot of different things, like what I did on a silent retreat. Or we start to collect new spiritual disciplines because we're determined to see more of Him in our life. Or we uh, go to a conference, or we read the the new best-selling book, uh, and we return back to normal life with those sweet moments and those fresh insights and those new techniques, and all of a sudden they just don't seem to fit the world we live in. They don't transplant and thrive in our busy, full lives where, if we're honest, the soil is kind of dry, and it's sprinkled with a little bit of guilt and shame as to why. (laughs) We do. We come back to life and we we see it in all its fullness and its busyness, and we really start to think, man, am I really feeling His presence all the time? Am I practicing the presence of God? If I'm honest, I don't feel it as much as I feel like I should. So tonight, we're, we're going to be looking at the life of one person, a person longing for a time of joy and fullness he once had. But in all reality, where we find this person today is in a season of dryness. He's lost the reality of God, not the belief of God, but the sense of God's presence in his soul. It's been crowded out by the same things that crowd out our lives. And it's not necessarily something bad. Most of the time, it's good things, right? They're good things. As in this Psalm, what we'll see is he hasn't actually sinned or done anything wrong. He's just simply in a season of dryness. Now tonight's title is Dwelling in God's Presence. But really what I should have underneath it is in parentheses, even in the dry times. (laughs) Even in the dry times. We could easily talk tonight about the concept of dwelling, being the dwelling place of God. I actually did a ton of research on it. I got really excited. I wanted to share it all with you. But I felt the Lord really shifted the focus of what tonight should be about. And instead of doing more or learning more, He wanted us to do something. He wanted us to do less. And to understand what it means to be his dwelling place means first, it starts by being, not by doing. It's the dwelling. When you're dwelling, you're just being. You're just sitting, you're just enjoying You're dwelling. You're not doing, you're not striving, you're not training with certain goals, you're not like a personal trainer. I have one of those now. It's tough, man, <laughs> and uh, that can easily be our focus when we come to a conference or when we, when we come to church on the weekends. You know, we want to get better at this, right? We want to gr- learn. We want to grow, but I want us to stop tonight I want to ask God, God, where are we really at tonight? God, would you show us our true condition, our current condition, not to train us, but to treat us kind of like a a good doctor who first wants to see us well and whole, right? Well and whole. So let's go ahead and pray and just invite. Uh, Well, he's here, but we'll just invite him more. (laughs) Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence here. It's just so sweetly, sweetly evident. God, would you come more? As I was praying earlier, just remove the distractions. God, remove the distractions, the the weights on our heart that make it hard to hear your voice. God, just remove those things right now in the name of Jesus. I pray your peace would come, your excitement would come, your encouragement would come. And Lord, we uh, we would remember your goodness in our lives. We give you this time tonight and ask for your words to be spoken here. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so let's go ahead and open up to Psalm 42 tonight. That's where we're going to be landing. Uh, We have a long passage to go through. It's on the back of your notes, too, so if you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on there. I want to start with this, though. It's really important that we all need to know how to deal with seasons of dryness, whether we're there to not or not. We're there tonight or not, right? Whether you find yourself in a season of dryness or not, this is still for you. <laughs> I think we do actually a disservice to our church by not talking about this more, <laughs> by not being more open about the reality that we live in and a lot of times hide in. But as we do talk about this tonight, my hope is that you're encouraged, that you're not only not alone, but that there's hope. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 42. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with a multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My My soul is downcast, Within me, therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me, forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Mm. Boy, this is a favorite one. (laughs) We're going to have fun tonight. Okay, so first of all, right away, we see the psalmist, right? The writer of this song. We see his condition. And he uses this really great metaphor, a metaphor of a deer, and then he goes on to describe it. And what I found kind of cool and interesting is that uh, for all the other references of deer in the Bible, (laughs) they're all bucks, except For this one. So tonight, we have a doe, (laughs) and she's panting for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, my my God, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? Now, what do you know about deer? Now, sheep are stupid, right? We kind of know that sheep are stupid, but deer actually aren't that stupid, okay? They don't wait till they're dying of thirst to go find water, they don't. Usually they're on their way when they start feeling thirsty. They head right down to that water hole. And what we're finding here in this passage is that this deer has come to this riverbed, but it finds it dry. And the psalmist is saying, I'm like that deer. And God is like that dry riverbed. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. The psalmist can't sense God as the living God. It's gone. When can I go and meet with God? He's lost this relational experience of God's presence with him. No more taste, no more feel, no more sight, the sound of God in our souls. He's lost the reality of God, not the belief of God, not the belief of God, but the sense of God's presence in his soul. And he's experiencing this thing called spiritual dryness, right? darkness, the deadness that you can feel. Now, there are other psalms where the psalmist loses the sense of God's presence because he needs to repent, right? He's been separated from God's presence because of something he's done. He's sinned. He's walked away from God. And so usually it's a psalm of repentance, right? Coming back, turning back toward the Lord. But this one is not like this at all. It's not like this at all. There, this one, we realize right away as we read the whole passage, he's done nothing wrong. Now, what's hard for us to justify in our American minds is because when we see something wrong, especially your spiritual state, we start to assume right away that you've done something wrong, right? We start to try to figure out why. We want to know why we're in this place. Why are we here? We start to feel like we must have missed something or that we're not doing enough, right? We're not doing enough. There has to be why we're not feeling his presence as much as we used to. And I think that's part of why it's really tough to admit to one another how deeply dry we are, because what do our friends do when we tell them where we're at? (laughs) They start saying, well, have you prayed enough? I mean, you really, I mean, have you been praying? I mean, have you opened your Bible in the last, like, couple weeks, right? Have you renounced the devil and told him to just get out of town? I mean, have you confessed all, no, all sin that, that could be in your life? Have you thanked God? I mean, have you thanked God lately? I mean, that'll, that'll just lift your spirits right up. Have you thanked God lately? And I, I, am the wor- I can be the worst at this, for sure, because uh, kind of like my husband, I like to fix things, especially when they're my friends, right? When I see them in a time or a place where they're, just, they're hurting. I don't want to see them hurting. I want to fix that. I want to make them feel better, right? And so even out of good intentions, we start to try to fix it, try to find what's wrong. And usually the blame ends up landing on them, which actually compounds the problem, if, if we're honest. It can start to veer from trying to help the person, assuming that surely, you know, because this this person's going through a hard time, there's, there must be something wrong, and if you were doing everything right, you wouldn't be here. But that's not what we see here, not in this psalm. This guy is doing nothing wrong. He's just simply dying of thirst, dying of thirst. There's no spiritual confessions here. There's no confessions throughout this whole psalm. There's no guilt. There's no repentance in this psalm at all. And what we need to realize is that this condition can happen to you. The spiritual dryness can happen, yes, because you've sinned. But even if not, even when you haven't done anything wrong, and I think this is really important for even new believers to hear this, right? New believers, Nobody really gets. Nobody explains this to you when they're selling Jesus. You know. Oh, by the way, it might be really hard. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that wouldn't really do do well, um, getting more people to say yes to Jesus. But but we need to be honest because it's the truth. For new believers, many times they don't expect this to happen, and they think it's only when they've done something wrong. And then it causes this this doubt to start to to rise up in them, and they start to have this sense of insecurity, like, boy, really, what did I get myself into? And, And I think all of us need to be careful to treat these seasons with more care, both when we're walking beside a friend going through it and both when you're going through it yourself. We can actually make our condition worse if we're somehow shocked When it comes, oh, I can't believe I don't feel the Lord right now. Uh, Shocked that we don't, or that we don't pay the necessary attention to it that we should. When you've got, let's say, too much going on, and life is full and busy and crazy, and you get a cold, well, I just don't have time to have a cold, right? You just say that to yourself, I'm just going to keep pushing on and you don't take off work, and you don't get the rest you need, and you don't go to the doctor and get help, you just somehow are going to just going to get through it. And what happens? You end up in the hospital with pneumonia because you haven't taken care of yourself, you haven't paid attention to your condition, and you haven't addressed it really at all. Now, when I played softball, for that brief, momentary, albeit miserable part of my life, When the other team would finally hit the ball, my, my stomach would just sink, especially when I was on outfield. Right field right here, right field. <laughs> uh, my, my stomach would sink, I'd be like, oh, dang it, they got a, another hit, they're gonna get a base. And then I totally missed the fact that the ball was actually headed in my direction, and then I totally missed it, and they got a double instead of a single because I wasn't prepared, I wasn't ready, I wasn't expecting them to hit the ball. We weren't that good, I mean, come on. Um, (laughs) I wasn't expecting it and therefore I was surprised by it and I usually missed what I needed to do in that moment, which was catch the ball. In the beginning of this psalm, what you see is not a bunch of intellectual doubts about God and whether he's there or not you actually just see that he doesn't feel God. He thirsts, and God's just not there in the way that he once experienced. But when it doesn't get addressed right, it becomes a lot more pervasive and a lot more serious. Our condition can actually get worse if we don't address it. It can really start to actually derail our faith, especially newer believers. It can start to derail your faith, because you don't know it could happen, and because you don't know how to recognize when it comes or deal with it when it comes. So we're gonna look at some of the causes. We're gonna look at some of the factors for why we end up in these dry seasons. And the psalmist goes, goes into some really good, um, good factors here that contribute to spiritual dryness. First is a disruption of rhythms. A disruption of rhythms. He says in verse four, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. My soul is downcast within me in verse six. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. What he's saying is I used to dot, 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 (laughs) I used to be in the southern part of Judah, the part of the temple where there was feasting, and now he's actually in the northern part, away from the worship, away from what was familiar, away from his old way of doing life. He's at Mount Hermon, which is in the north. And we don't know why his life has changed. We don't know the reason why. We just know that he's not doing what he used to do, and he's not living where he used to live. His life has been disrupted by change. And what, what do we know about change? It's one of the most stressful things we can go through, right? Anyone moved lately? <laughs> it's stressful. You didn't know where you got all that junk. How did I collect all this stuff? And it takes a heck of a lot longer than you thought it would to get all those box, boxes packed. But, but it can be anything, right? It can be moving, it can be getting a new job, switching careers stress, Uh, investing yourself yet again into new things, sickness, right? Any kind of sickness that takes you out for a couple weeks changes your life, changes your rhythm. Your small group changes times, wrecks your whole, wrecks everything, just wrecks everything. (laughs) Your summer break happens, ooh, yeah, right? Like all of a sudden you thought you had a rhythm and then kids are out of school and you're like what am i supposed to do with you what am i supposed to do? life changes right and it is hard to start over it's just hard it's stressful it's hard to invest yourself yet again into new relationships into new places to learn new things to find those new rhythms it's hard but change can also bring an opportunity to do some spring cleaning right <laughs> right? Some spring cleaning. What it does is it stirs up things. Things start to come to the surface. And we have an opportunity to look at these things and evaluate what's been working and what hasn't. The time and season of my life where I went through some of the most dryness in my walk with God was when things really changed. And what happened was I got pregnant. <laughs> and not just surprisingly so, we were trying. But what I didn't expect was how sick I would be. And for those moms of you that have gone through that, I couldn't drink water for six months. I'd throw it right back up. I had Mexican one night, you do not wanna know what happened. I mean, I could not keep anything down. And, and I got so dehydrated, the doctor's like, either you go into the ER now, or you're taking these meds right now, on your way home. I don't wanna hear about you doing it later. Like he was like, crisis! Uh, I wasn't doing well, and because of that, my life just took a, a different direction. I, I kind of used it as, as a valid excuse, at least at the time, to not go to small group, to not go to church as much. But what happened is I got out of a rhythm. Because of a simple change, my health, I got out of a rhythm that once was really good for me. But honestly, I, I couldn't tell that it, I was much different. I mean, I still had a good heart, right? I still love Jesus. And I mean, it's just going to church. I mean, it's just going to small group. But, but after months... And months and months and months, even after Eden was born, I wasn't, I wasn't going to church at all. I had every excuse in the world, I thought, to just, just say no. It was just too much, just too much. And it, I, I hadn't realized it until much later, but it had done a number on my walk with the Lord. Now, I convinced myself I was fine, right? Because we like to justify what we do. (laughs) We don't want to feel guilty. Uh, (laughs) We don't want to be corrected. But for me, it was one of those really dry times I didn't expect simply because my life changed. What we also see in the life of the psalmist is that he was disillusioned by some life events, In verses 9 through 10, it says, I say to my God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Now, in uh, many other psalms, you hear the word enemy, but usually the enemy is trying to kill them, and they're running for their lives. Usually David is running for his life, and he's uh, trying not to get killed. But here, the enemies aren't trying to kill this, this psalmist, they're, tra- they're taunting him. They're taunting him, and it's starting to, to really seep into his, his soul, he's starting to actually believe it, and they're saying, where is your God? If your God was really for you, if he really loved you, then why is this happening? Have you ever had someone say that to you? When things take a turn for the worst, when life is really hard, when, when things you never planned on happening happen, when suffering and pain, which we know will inevitably face in this life, hit, it is, it's easy to say, God, where are you? It's easy to question, and it's easy to question, God, you know, I, I do believe you're good, but why is this happening? Why is this happening? It's hard to understand. And it's hard to make sense of it. And disappointment, by the way, can wreak a lot of havoc in our spiritual walks. Disappointment, especially if it's not dealt with, can start turning into what? Resentment, right? Toward the Lord. And we start getting angry, and we don't know why, why we feel this way toward the Lord. And, and I have a, a funny example of just disappointment. I'm just going to share it because it's cute. We were at the rib cook-off this last Sunday. Anybody else there? It was a good time. I didn't get any ribs, but hey, I hear next year we're gonna have lots, so hey. <laughs> um, I was with my daughter and another three-year-old, um, a friend of hers, and they were determined to go on that big old bounce house that they had there and it up uh, one more time before we went home that night. And so I took both three-year-olds by the hand and we, you know, winded through all the chairs and we headed over to the bounce house one last time. And literally, as we are walking up to the bounce house, they turn the generator off and the entire thing deflates within two seconds. <laughs> and they're like, and both of those kids, plus me, I was a little like, wow, that's really cool. You know? <laughs> but these two are like a ready to ball. I mean, they were so excited. They were like jumping along, ready to get, you know, ready to, to get in that bounce house. And poor little things, their just hopes were literally deflated right in front of them. <laughs> uh, we, they kind of whimpered and cried the whole way back. <laughs> uh, but disappointment, it, it's hard to deal with. And it's sometimes something we don't want to deal with, so we stuff it. But what happens when you stuff something like that? It starts to, to pervade, right? It starts to really affect your soul. Like I said, you know, resentment and anger can start bubbling up to the surface because we haven't dealt with it and we haven't talked to the Lord about it. So third, we see in the life of the psalmist, we see it's deprivation. He has this, he deprivation physically. So it's, something going on physically in his life. And we see in verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. And this isn't just like a nice little allegory, like, oh, I've been so sad, my tears have been my... Like, this, is, this is he's not eating. He's not eating he's doing so poorly. He, he's not sleeping all night, all night. And what we got to realize is that we're not going to deal with our condition, our spiritual condition If we ignore the fact that we have a physical condition that first, mostly first, needs to be dealt with, the tiredness, feeling utterly overwhelmed, having, not having a doctor's appointment for three years, you know, like not being so worn down by the demands of life that we start to question what we're actually going through, and we, we don't realize that it's actually physical. Sometimes the cause is physical. And, and by the way, when you are physically weak, that's sometimes the time where the enemy loves to come and, you know, like wreak havoc in your life. And so we gotta pay attention to this. This is important that he is saying this and, and that we pay attention to this. Uh, Timothy Keller, who's a well known pastor, recounts a time where for eight weeks straight, every sermon he spoke or preached was agony, pure agony, all the way through the sermon, all the way through. He would hear a voice in his head, they're never going to believe you. Why'd you say that? <laughs> that was stupid. And after accusation, after accusation, after accusation, his wife and him thought, well, maybe he just wasn't praying enough. Maybe they should pray that this thing would leave, you know? And, and so they started praying more. But, but as he looks back on that time, specifically that time in his life, he said, you know, I only saw this with, you know, hindsight as 2020. right? I was enormously overtired and overtaxed. And I just, I couldn't see it. I didn't realize that the problem was actually physical. It wasn't necessarily first and foremost spiritual. The enemy was just taking, taking advantage of the fact that he was down and kicking him while he was down. Sometimes instead of doing more, we need to simplify and do less, We need to scale back the speed at which our life is running, (laughs) and the fullness uh, in our lives by by cutting things out, abstaining from things. It's not about doing more and and learning how to. Okay, I got to got to pray this way, and I got to figure out how many you know hours I'm going to read my Bible every week. And you know, a lot of times this is us needing to declutter our lives, right? Declutter our lives. It's good that we're breathing in the oxygen of God, you know? It's good that we're breathing in God and that we're, we're living life with Him, but we must, must also make sure that we're breathing out the daily chaos that chokes out that interaction, the daily chaos that can choke out that, that interaction. There's a quote from John Ortberg, and he says, "'For most of us, the great danger is not "'that we will renounce our faith,' It's that we will become so distracted, so preoccupied, and so tired and worn out that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim through life instead of actually living them. Skim through our lives instead of actually living them. The last thing that I want to talk about here, to not just leave you on this horrible note, (laughs) is to talk about what the psalmist does do. And we see some really cool things. What does the psalmist do? What are some of these cures that we can look for in the life of this psalmist? Because does he give up? Do we see him giving up? Do we see him moving back <laughs> to where it was good, the good old times? Uh, do we see him denying where he is? Oh, you know, it's all good. I'm just, uh, God's good, and I'm just gonna pretend everything's great. Does he? No. So let's see what he does do. First, he pours out his soul. He pours it out. I mean, essentially, this is the entire psalm. This is the whole thing right here. It's him pouring out where he's at. He's pouring out his life before the Lord. He's saying, I don't feel God. I get nothing really out of this right now. But what he is doing is he's writing a song, a song of prayer and meditation. He's writing a song. He's choosing to do something, something. And this is really cool. The, the sons of Korah, which if you see at the very beginning of the psalm in the back there, uh, who are credited with this song, do you know what their main job was? Their main job was actually not writing songs or singing or playing harps or whatever they did, <laughs> but it was that they were called to be protectors of the temple. In the Old Testament, the dwelling place of God was in the temple or in the tabernacle. That's where God dwelled. That's where I got at the beginning of all this. I started getting all into like what that looked like. But what I realized was this psalm was written by men who were protectors of that temple, protectors of those times of worship. And even now, though he's far away from what he used to do, who he is is still there. Who he is is a protector, and he's still protecting his time to worship God. He's still protecting it to this day, whether it's a whole group of people, whether he's in the the front of the festival line, as he says earlier, or he's by himself. He's still doing something. He's still doing something. He keeps on singing. (laughs) Just keep singing. Just keep singing. (laughs) There's such a realism in this psalm. It's not just fluffy. It's real. Like, he gets real here. He says, hope in God, yet, though all my circumstances say I shouldn't, yet, I will praise him. I will praise him. And he doesn't deny, just, you know, deny the fact that he's in this place, You don't see him saying, oh, I will praise you, and I do praise you, and you're so amazing, and I love you, and he's not being ingenuine here. He's actually saying, and yet, even though I don't feel you right now, God, I will praise you. I will praise you. And and he doesn't say, I don't or I won't praise you. He doesn't say, you know what? I'm not cool with this. I'm not cool that I don't feel you, so guess what? I'm not going to praise you. I'm only praising you when you come and when I feel your presence and when I really sense you, and then I'll praise you. There's no, like, you know, despondency or despair here at all. In spite of what he hears and in spite of what he feels, he still praises God. So if you don't feel anything, if you don't feel anything, if you're in a season of dryness, if you don't feel anything, then talk to God about that. Talk to God about that. Talked about, talk to God about how much you miss him, how much your spirit longs, longs for that time where they were just, he was so evident, so present. Don't avoid it and protect that time with God, even when he seems absent. Protect it because you need it, especially in these seasons, we need it. We need the abiding, the dwelling presence of God more than ever in these seasons. So don't hide it, don't bottle it up, pour it out, pour it out in his presence, pour it out in his presence. The second thing we see him do is that he examines his, and I can't believe this, hopes. What do we do in worship tonight? We examined our hopes. I love God. He's like, oh, I got worship. I got the sermon. They're all just going to kind of beautifully mix together. It's totally him. It's so sweet. Verse 5, and then repeat it again in verse 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. It's like, It's like when you say, you know, to people like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Is that Is that what he's saying to himself? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Really what he would be saying is, oh, you're just being stupid right now. Like, don't do that. But he's not asking for information and he's not telling himself that he's stupid. What he's saying here is he's actually asking himself, why am I so downcast? Why? In the presence of God, why? Even though... We said previously he's done nothing wrong, and yet he's still doing some self-examination in the presence of God. He's doing self-examination. He's looking for his hopes. Why am I downcast? What affected me so much that I'm here? Is it because I put my hope in something that's now letting me down? Maybe there's something in my life that I was getting life from that I shouldn't have. Maybe I should look at this a little more. Because in dry times... Let's just be honest, they're raw times. (laughs) And that's a good time to look at your heart. That's a really good time. It starts to reveal the things you love more than the Lord. It starts to reveal the things that you put your hope in that's not the Lord. And it helps us to look back in his face and into his approval and his smile and his love and remember where our hope really is, right? Where our hope really is. Because if that's where my hope is, is in Jesus, in his face, in his approval, in his smile, then nothing can touch me, right? I can't be devastated by anything else. I don't even know if I'll be there fully to the end of my life, but I I keep heading in that direction. God, I want you to be my hope. So in times of dryness, look at the things you really have your hope in and preach yourself the truth preach the truth to yourself. Look at him say this, put your hope in God. (laughs) He says that to himself, Heather, put your hope in God. And uh, a little bit more strongly than I usually talk to myself, but really, right? We're telling ourselves, don't put your hope in your husband. Don't put your hope in what he does and doesn't do for you. Don't put your hope in your finances and whether or not you have enough to get by or or to buy that thing you want to buy. Don't put your hope in that. Trust in God. Don't put your hope in whether or not people like you, whether or not people approve of you, whether or not they like what you say. (laughs) Put your hope in God. And then, lastly, he remembers the loving kindness and grace of God. Verse 8, by the day, the Lord directs his love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to my God, to the God of my life. And the cool thing, the word here for love is chesed, chesed, and it's unmerited grace and unconditional love. That's what he's saying. By day, the Lord directs me by his unmerited grace and his unconditional love. And he's recalling the times in his life where this has been so utterly true. So utterly true. And I think a big component of faith is remembering. It's so easy to get caught up in what's happening in the future or what's happening right now and what you feel or don't feel. And it's hard. It's, like it's actually a discipline to journal and write out and think about and praise God for the things that he's already done in your life that have been so good where he's been so faithful. And you know what happens when you do that? Faith gets stirred up. Faith gets, because if he, if he was that like that then, then he certainly can be like that now. Or he can certainly be like that in the future for me. It is faith building. Where has God met you? Recall the times when all the things about God were really true, when they really resonated, where you really sensed his presence even if you don't feel it or see it in the moment. Because ultimately, kind of end end with here, ultimately what our eyes need to focus on the most in those times of dryness is that we need to remember Jesus. And I, I really want to hit this home. We need to remember Jesus. He was the one who said, I thirst. Do you remember when he said that? I thirst. Do you remember when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Whose enemies taunted him? Where is your God? If you really were who you said you were, the angels would come down and take you right off that cross. And yet he stayed Jesus Christ really lost God. He didn't just have a feeling of losing God or feeling like God's not close by. He lost God. Not because he did anything wrong, but because he loved us enough. He loved us enough to stay on that cross and do what only he could do for us. Amen? He stayed on that cross so that no matter what kind of season we face, no matter what kind of feelings of inadequacy or or failure haunt us, God will never give up on us. And that becomes our hope in these dry times, is that because of what Jesus has done, God is never going to give up on me. The work that he started in me when I first said yes to Jesus is the work he's going to complete till the day he comes back. So that God would not punish you and would not separate himself from you ever again, Christ stayed on that cross. God punished him so that we could receive his love, his hesed unconditionally. We all have seasons of dryness and for multiple reasons, but by God's grace and hopefully with our sisters' help, right? And encouragement, not correction, <laughs> but encouragement, uh, we'll get through it. And hopefully we'll be better for it. Hopefully we'll be better for it. Farther down, farther down the path of God's kingdom, humbler, right? stronger. (laughs) As the hymn says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And what did we sing tonight? He's never going to let you down. He's good. He's good. So good. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, thank God. The same. He's good. He's good. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to just have some ministry time now, where we're going to wait on the Lord and ask for his presence to come. Sound good? Yeah? <laughs> so I'm going to have Vicki come on up, and uh, we're just going to spend some time waiting on the Lord. And uh, I love it when we make ourselves a little vulnerable. You can come on up here. You want to stay down here? It's, you can it's come high down. up. I'm trying to see where the lights won't get us in the eyes. Yeah, yeah. So we're just gonna we're gonna wait on the Lord for a little bit I a and uh, be vulnerable <laughs> and yeah. say, God, what do you want to do?
0: I want to go ahead and invite everyone to stand. Can we stand up. We're just gonna quiet ourselves for a few minutes, and um, God is here. Right? He's here. The Holy Spirit's here. Mm -hmm. So um, he's pursuing us tonight. So our desire is above everything tonight is for you to encounter God, every single one of you. So Mm -hmm. uh, whatever's comfortable for you, if you want to close your eyes, you want to open up your hands, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you into this place. Just come, Holy Spirit. Just love your presence, Lord. Just come, wash over your daughters. Just receive from him, just receive from him.
1: I just keep getting a picture of a woman um, just really bent over and uh, I don't know if it's physical pain, back pain specifically, or if it's just even um, the season that you're going through right now. It's just really, really been burdening. So if, um, does anyone have any back pain right now, like just some, yeah, some, some back pain? That's just been really hindering you, and also like anyone that feels like you know what—not just physically, but the season of life right now is just doubling me over. <laughs> hmm. But God wants to heal that. He does.
0: Mm-hmm. You have something to.
1: The anxiety attack that I had? Thank you.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay, so as she was
1: sharing about when she had the anxiety attack and she knew she had to get here and the first thing she had to do was get prayer. She didn't say this because she's a humble woman, but it's a perfect example of the fact that she ran to Jesus in the midst of that hard thing that we so often retreat from everything and everybody and especially God. So I felt a really strong burden that some of you want to run and, and retreat and, and go inward with the hard things that are going on in your life. And Jesus is saying, run to me. Hmm. Run to me. I will have freedom for you. Yeah. Run to me. That's
0: good. Okay, let's just keep waiting on the Holy Spirit. Do you want to start playing? Well, you get it. Mia. Um, so, I just got a really strong sense from God that, um, okay, there's a lot of moms in here, so I don't really understand this um, personally, but, um, <coughs> like, the way that you would see your own child hurting, and it, like, hurts you, like, so strongly, and, like, you can feel their pain and, like... Um, just, like, seeing them hurt hurts you. I feel like God is really saying that, like, um, we are his children, and him seeing us hurt is physically, like, hurting him, and he just, like, loves you, and he feels for you, and um, I don't know, I just, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) but (laughs) look, See here. How old are you? Sixteen. Okay, see? This is cool. Does anyone can (laughs) do this? If you're hearing something... Like, this is great. I'm glad you came up, because this girl hears from God. Trust me, she hears from God. So thank you. (laughs) It's a good word. Mm. I heard earlier tonight, um, and I kept asking God, is this something for us tonight? I heard, you know, that saying, um, you're a work in progress. Tonight, I kept hearing, you are my." in progress you are Mm. god's work in progress Mm. and there is grace here tonight and there's grace here every every day Mm. so if there's anything tonight that spoke to you we would just want to extend an invitation to come forward and we're just going to pray for each other that's why we're here Mm -hmm. we're not here to hear a message and put a little bow on it and walk out and go home after we have Mm -hmm. dessert tonight (laughs) stay for that that's not why we're here We're here to experience the presence of God. He sees everything that you're going through tonight. He knows you intimately, and he knows what's on the other side, even when you don't. So don't miss the opportunity to get prayer, no matter what it is. So we just want to begin inviting you forward. ladies come forward if we could have people come up and pray if you are a follower of jesus you can pray you don't even have to say a word just put your hands on them and just invite god invite the holy spirit so if you want to come forward some prayers if you can come forward
1: to do so. Um, God is so good, isn't it? He? <laughs> just so good. God, I just speak blessing over over every lady and even guys that are here in the name of Jesus. God, I pray Your presence would truly just be thick around us as we leave this place. God, Your blessing, Lord, just increase in our lives. God, that we would hold true, hold hold firm to the truth of who You are, even amidst the the dry times, God. Speak blessing and life over you. Bless you guys. And I just want to invite you to stay if you can. We have some amazing kaha hobblers. I mean, not just pies, we got cobblers and ice cream, I think, right? Do we have ice cream? Oh, I think we have ice cream. If we don't, you can blame me. <laughs> but feel free to stay. We'd love to just get to talk and, and fellowship with one another before you leave tonight. So bless you guys. Have a great night.